that on Sunday night what we do is study God's Word and along a, 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 on the base, you know, with a theme, on a theme or a doctrine or a book and we follow a worksheet. And I've been talking here on Sunday night uh, for the last month or two on spiritual gifts. I'm trying to wind that up. And so if you'll have your uh, New Testament there on, at open to 1 Corinthians 12, we'll take a look at that in just a minute. Somebody asked a preacher what his church knew about spiritual gifts. And the preacher said, just enough to be dangerous. Huh. I guess he was talking about um, having theory and, and, and you know, having that attitude that comes between theory and practice. It's in between kind of thing. Just enough to be dangerous. Has enough theory, but no understanding of how to to, to practice spiritual gifts. And so we're in between, kind of like the adolescence, adolescent years. Well, those were tough years, weren't they? Those in between years, between childhood and adulthood. I wouldn't go back and relive those years 100 years ago. I wouldn't go back to those for anything in the world. It's hard enough to help your children through that. I mean, that's a challenge big enough. Somebody said he was going to invent a parent's watch. You know, everybody's got a watch of some sort. He's going to, uh, he's going to uh, invent a parent's watch. And what a parent's watch does is every night after 11, 15, after 11 p.m., this watch starts ringing its hands every 15 minutes. And that's a parent's watch. You kind of have to be there to appreciate that little story. I wonder if, um, if God sometimes um, doesn't wring His hands at the way we interpret uh, the theory, the information we get from Scripture. And so I want us to be sure that we don't walk around neck deep in theory and ankle deep in practicality or application. I agree with A.T. Robinson that Bible exposition without application is an abortion. And so I want to get beyond the adolescent years of theory with us tonight to the adult years of application or practicality with regard to spiritual gifts. Now there's some adolescent attitudes that always accompany the teaching of spiritual gifts. I want to give you those. There are four of them. First, I'm waiting for some sudden inspiration from God. I want Him to zap me. I'm waiting for this, for the tingling spine. You know, I've got, I've got an idea that I want God just to overwhelm me with some, uh, you know, some insight, some uh, emotion. I want emotional ecstasy. And when I have this uh, tingling sensation, this emotion from the Lord, this zap, then I'll know what my spiritual gift is. Then I'll begin to practice my spiritual gift. I mean, I've had people say to me, 
You know, I just don't have any leading from the Lord, quote, end quote, with regard to my spiritual gift. I mean, the Lord has just not revealed to me yet what my spiritual gift is. Well, in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, it's absolutely, uh, there is absolutely no emotion involved in that. There's no tingling of the spine. There is no emotional ecstasy. The Lord just in a rational, common sense way talks about or discloses to us this matter of spiritual gifts. And verse 4 he says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now the, the Holy Spirit knows that there are some things he wants to pull off in the church. And so he says, in this, by his sovereign authority and will, this person's going to have this spiritual gift and that person's going to have this spiritual gift and that person's going to have that other spiritual gift and I'm going to make sure that there is this balance in, 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 the, in the church and there is this common sense, rational approach that the Holy Spirit seems to make that is found in 1 Corinthians 12. If you're waiting for some sign in the sky it says, GT, go teach. You might, you, you're going to wait forever. You've heard that story, haven't you? It's older than I am. About the old guy, the old, old country guy was started preaching. Some, and somebody, you know, listened to him a few times and kind of edged up, up to him and said, you know, where, where, where did you, why did you ever, where did you ever get the idea you were to preach? He said, well, I was out in the cornfield one day and he said, I seen this sign in the sky, GPs. I just, I just said to myself, that means go preach. The guy said, probably means go plow. That's what that probably means. If you're waiting for a sign in the sky that says, go teach, that sign may never come. Now, 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 now listen to me. If you feel, if you like to work with people, I mean, you enjoy that, you have success in that and fulfillment in that, and you do that with ease and pleasure and success, just working with people, you might have the gift of mercy. I mean, just sit down and think it out. And if you're able to, with ease and pleasure, present the gospel of Jesus Christ, and when people hear that presentation, they're moved and touched, and they want to turn to the Lord, they seek the Lord. I mean, you don't have to have some vision from the sky. The Lord has given you the gift of evangelism. So an adolescent attitude is, when the Lord gives me this emotional feeling or this great emotional ecstasy, then I'll know my spiritual gift or I'll, I'll, I'll ex exercise my spiritual gift. Adolescent, attitude number two. My gift is the most important. On the other side of the coin is the least important of all. This adolescent attitude says this. I, my gift is not his. Oh, I wish I had his spiritual gift. The other side of the coin is, oh, I wish everybody had my spiritual gift. You know, I, I see some folks and you can just, now they, you, don't, you don't literally see them do this or hear them, but when they talk about their spiritual gifts, I mean, just, you know, they just kind of get in little groups 
And, and, you can, and if you close your eyes and just imagine, you can just hear them saying, we're number one. You know, like, you, like some football team, we're number one, you know. And it's, an, it's an adolescent attitude that says, my spiritual gift is superior. A mature believer says, my gift is one of many gifts. But if I do not exercise my spiritual gift, something will be missed in the church. A mature Christian says, I have this spiritual gift, this charismata. God has given me a spiritual gift, but I'm not indispensable. Adolescent, attitude number three. I refuse all other involvement except in the area of my gift. I mean, I have the gift of evangelism. Don't talk to me about showing mercy. Now, the business world has a word for those people who refuse to do anything that they're to do, who refuse to do those things that they're not specifically hired to do. The business world has a word for those people that just won't do anything except that which they're specifically hired to do. It's called unemployed. Uh, Ryrie once said, not only does the Bible teach everything is to be done in decency and in order, but the Bible also teach that teaches that everything is to be done. It is absolutely inconceivable that the church would survive if we only did what we feel was just, just our spiritual gift. Now I want to show you how, how, um, how wrong that attitude is. If you have the New Testament, turn it to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now, if you last, uh, the last time we, we talked about spiritual gifts two weeks ago, we, 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 uh, uh, we identified Timothy's spiritual gift, gifts. You remember what they were? It's found over in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And it's found in verse 13. And let me just remind you of what Timothy's spiritual gifts were. They were exhortation and teaching. It's found in the third, fourth chapter of 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 4, verse 13. But now I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Now here was perhaps the greatest Christian who has ever lived. And he's coming to the end of his life. He said, I have fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I finished the course. Now, now normally, you, you'd think that here was a man who, um, who had such tremendous ability uh, to teach the Word. I mean, um, the, here was the Apostle Paul who had uh, such ability to teach the Word. Now, I think I got completely off. I've just identified Timothy's spiritual gift. Well, I want to go to Paul now and, uh, and, and try to get back on the right course. The Apostle Paul, having the, the gift of teaching, 
and you think that here was a guy who, was, who had such success and ability to teach that nobody uh, would resist him. I mean, everybody would listen to this guy. He'd have tremendous success. But look at verse 14. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Look at verse 16. At my defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. Now, here's a man who opposed the Apostle Paul. Verse 15 says that he opposed his teaching. And then the Apostle Paul in verse 16 says that everybody did. Now here is a man who has the gift of teaching, tremendous success as a gifted teacher. Not only did Alexander resist his teaching, but so did everybody. Now there are going to be times when you exercise your spiritual gift, and you're not going to be popular in exercising it. It's not going to be that everybody is going to like what you do. There are going to be, there are going to be times when in the exercising of that spiritual gift, you're going to be resisted and opposed because of it. All right, where am I? Am I on number three or four? Four? All right. Number four, I quit. I quit because I am in conflict with somebody. I quit because I'm in conflict with somebody. Well, let me just back up there and apply what I've just said about the Apostle Paul to that, to that one. I quit because I, um, I'm opposed by somebody. Um, I can, if, does this ever happen to you? Um, your child, your daughter comes to you and says, Dad, um, you were right um, when you told me that I had to come in last night at 11 o'clock even though everybody else stood at, stay, could stay out till 12. I just want you to know how much I appreciate you telling me to come on in 11 o'clock. Or your guy, your, your, your son comes up to you and says, uh, Dad, I just want to thank you for grounding me. Uh, you, you were right. Uh, all the other guys have cars and they can stay out late as long as they want to, but, but you, you, know, you didn't let me have the car and you grounded me, and I just want to thank you for doing that. You, uh, is, does that ever happen? Probably not. What you probably get is what I get, you know. Just kind of puff up, you know, and and get, you know, pout and, res and resist and get angry, etc. But just because somebody, uh, just because they don't agree with your approach and your discipline, etc., you don't stop being a parent, do you? The adolescent attitude is, people oppose me, nobody appreciates me, so I'm just going to quit, um, quit doing it. It would be amazing, it would surprise you if I told you tonight how many times you would not have had a sermon on Sunday if I went by my feelings. I mean, there are times when I, you know, just 
kind of almost drag myself up into here to, to, to speak. Sunday night, some Sunday nights, I, I've, I've literally longed for some um, uh, immediate and total case of laryngitis so that I could you know, just kind of um, fade out of here. There are so many times when we, um, if we went by our feelings, would, would never be in it, right? We, we'd just, we'd quit. We cannot just quit because there is opposition or those who don't appreciate us. If God has gifted you with a spiritual gift in the church, you make sure you exercise that spiritual gift when you don't feel like doing it. Because there are a lot of times when you won't feel like doing it. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 says, there are, there are eight key words. Let's look at that. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Eight key words. Lauren Sani, who is with the Navigator, said that you, he could sum up his father's counsel in four words. Get with it, son. Get with it, son. Now, I think that, that you can sum up the Apostle Paul's counsel regarding spiritual gifts just like this. Get with it, son. Do not neglect, is what he's saying. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Son, get with it. I made an appeal from this pulpit two weeks ago on spiritual gifts. A guy called me on Monday. He said, I, I, I was watching on television. I got in from a trip late. He said, I, I saw on television that service. He said, I just came in, turned on the television. We were just didn't even unpack the car and, and turn on the service. You guys may be watching tonight. He said, I want you to know that appeal got to me. And he said, I have a spiritual gift and I've not been exercising it in the church. He said, I want you to, I want to make a commitment to you and to God that I'm ready to begin to exercise my spiritual gift in the church. In other words, he was saying, I'm ready to get with it. Now the problem with most of us is, is not that we do not understand our spiritual gift. The problem is we're just not getting with it. Son, get with it. Stop neglecting your spiritual gift that is within you. Now there are five guidelines to follow. I'm going to see if I can stay on course. The first, and we're going to look at, the, the text is 1 Timothy chapter 4. There are five guidelines to follow in, in exercising the spiritual gift. I mean, get in with it. This is the adult approach. We're moving from the adolescent attitude to the adult approach. Number one is information. Verse 11. He says, prescribe and teach these things. Information. You need information. 
Why don't you get you a little book notebook and call it your spiritual gifts notebook. And every time you come across something in the New Testament that talks about spiritual gifts, or every time you hear something about it, or every time you read a book about it, write down in your notebook what you learned about spiritual gifts. Information. We need to teach these concepts, this, this uh, idea to our children. Why don't you do it in your family devotional time when you're having devotionals at breakfast or in the evening? Why don't you teach your children? Get the information out. We need to understand what spiritual gifts are all about. Second is the word toleration. Look at verse 12. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech and conduct, etc. Now, I'm going to might be doing a little forcing here, a little eisegesis, but I'm going to take that liberty. What Paul is, is saying to Timothy is, there's too much negative thinking going on here. There, there's too much looking down on, on your youthfulness. There's too much negative thinking. And, and, and what Paul is driving at and does throughout the New Testament is, and throughout his epistles is, that we don't need to keep looking down on ourselves or on certain spiritual gifts as being inferior. Stop looking on spiritual gifts, this spiritual gift, as being inferior. I mean, don't disregard any of the nine spiritual gifts that we have discussed because that just might be the gift that God has given you. Now, I didn't want to be a preacher. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I remember just so vividly, so plainly one time, uh, after I'd uh, kind of indicated as a middle school kid that I felt like God was calling me to preach, I had this friend and we were sitting in a little cafe, Greasy Spoon Cafe, after school one Wednesday afternoon, waiting for prayer meeting to begin. And I remember him saying, um, his name was Charles Walker, he said, Gerald, you feel like the Lord's calling you to preach? I said, yeah, well, you know, I was kind of, I don't know, you know, kind of dodging it. He said, I'd give anything in the world if God had called me to preach. I didn't say this, but I just kind of thought it. I, I was thinking, man, I wish he'd call you then, brother, and, you know, and leave me alone. I don't, I don't want to be a preacher. I look down on that. I look down on that spiritual gift. Um, that's the very gift that God gave. Now, there are some of us who wish, you know, would like to have this spiritual gift and we wish we had that and we seek that gift, don't look down on any spiritual gift as inferior. Stop looking at toleration. Third is attention. Verse 13. He says, Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture and then to exhortation and teaching. Now, A.T. Robinson says that the word attention means keep on putting your mind on. I mean, concentrate and underscore and bear down on spiritual gifts. Take the initiative. 
I mean, don't wait for somebody to come up to you and say, hey, would you do this job or that job in the church? Take the initiative. Go, up, go to somebody who is in a place of leadership or authority in the church and say, hey, I'll try that. I'll, I'll try to do that. And, and, and try it. I'm talking about young people as well as adult, uh, the older adults. And if you don't feel after you've tried it that that's the place where uh, God has gifted you, then try another place. Take the initiative. I mean, focus your attention. W would you take this challenge? For the next six months, just focus your attention on, on finding and exercising your spiritual gift and take the initiative. Try a lot of things till you find the place where God has gifted you. A guy was trying to read to his children the scripture, the Bible. And his children didn't understand what he's talking about. And so he had some gifts he, and, he, and he was a commuter. He worked in the city and he commuted about 30 miles every day. So on the train every morning, he just took his Bible, had a little notebook and he took the letters of the Apostle Paul and he began to translate them into his own language, language that he, he, he could speak, he spoke. And every day, it took him months, took him years. He just translated the epistles of the Apostle Paul into, into common, ordinary day language. When he finished it, had this manuscript. And the guy looked at that and he said, hey, that's great. He said, you ought to publish that. He said, well, I never thought of that. He took it to a publisher, handed it to this publisher. He looked at it and he said, that'll never sell. It'll never fly. So he just started his own publishing company. He got him a little publishing printing press and in his garage he began to crank out these, uh, uh, this translation he had done of the living letters. His name was Kenneth Taylor. And when he sold one copy of the living letters, it just exploded. It went like wildfire. Everybody wanted a copy. And now I bet, I bet everybody here has a living Bible somewhere at home or in their hands or on their lap. It was just a man who said, my kids need some help and I've been gifted, I have a certain ability and I'm not going to just sit around and do nothing. I'm going to try something. I'm going to do what I can do. And he gave attention to spiritual gift. Number four is confirmation. Now look at verse 15. He says, take pains with these things be absorbed in them. Now, what are these things that he's talking about? Spiritual gifts. Take pains with them. It's, it's, it's like the, a, a person who is handling a vase, you know, a delicate vase. Take pains with this. Be absorbed in them. Now, why? So that your progress may be evident to all. So that the fourth guideline is the confirmation of others. Proverbs 27, 19 says, as in water, man reflects man. So that what do people say that you're good at? When I first came to this church as pastor, in the meeting in there in Fellowship Hall, we had, we had prayer meeting in Fellowship Hall, it's packed out. First and last time some have ever been to prayer meeting. But they were there on the first Wednesday night that the preacher was here. And I asked 
for, for them, you know, to, to, I, I took a list of spiritual gifts and I said, would you, would you give me who do you think is, has this gift? And I have it in my office, big, big stack. They said, you have the gift of evangelism. You know who I'm talking about? See me after church. So-and-so has the gift of teaching. So-and-so has the gift of mercy. What do people say that you're good at? I mean, what are they saying that they're thankful that you're doing specifically? I mean, they, they, they'll do that. I mean, don't they come up to you and say, hey, you're just good at this. And I'm so grateful that you do what you're doing. And then they'll describe it. That's called confirmation. Now, let me say a word to parents. Your confirmation of your children, your affirmation of your children is the greatest affirmation they will ever have. Sometimes it, I just shudder when I, when, I, when I think how many kids, how many children, how many young people have been gifted of God to do a special work in the church and it has literally been lost because their parents didn't encourage it or affirm it or con confirm it. Now, does this sound weird to you? It's not a bit weird. If your child is, a, is saved, is a Christian, that child has a spiritual gift. Have you ever called your child over to the side and said, Honey, come here and let's sit down. I want to talk to you today. I want to try to explain to you about spiritual gifts. And this, honey, I believe you have this spiritual gift. Have you got a kid that just keeps his room just, you know, perfect, just immaculate? I want him if you've got one like that. But, <laughs> but I mean, everything is in order. I mean, everything, you know, and everything has to be in order, and he just arranges things, and, and you'll find that person at school, and they're elected to per, student body president, and they just get everything, all committees organized, and just flow. Remember Kevin Cunningham? Does he have the gift of administration or not? Of course he does. Just get these things together, and they just fit together, and they operate, he just flows. McDonald has a book called The Effective Father. And he tells about this boy, this man who is 40 years old and he works day and night. He's, an, he's a workaholic. And he, and he spends his money on artifacts. He has these marvelous and expensive things all over his house. And if anybody ever kind of confronts him to resist him, to be negative toward him, or to be critical of him, he just, he's volatile. He just flies into a rage and just is defensive and volatile. McDonald said when I, as we talked, and this man in counseling, he said we talked and went back to this young man's childhood, and the boy revealed... The man revealed that when he was a boy, his father kept saying, Tom, you're a bum. You'll never amount to anything. You're just a bum. And he said, everything that happened, a little, least little thing, his father said, I told you, Tom, you're just a bum. You're never going to amount to anything. And he said, when he got to be a man, even though his father had been dead for years, he worked day and night because he could hear his father saying, you're a bum, you're never going to amount to anything. He is going to prove to that dead father that he could mount something. 
And he bought all these artifacts and put in his house just so he could prove to his dead father that he was, could amount to something. I mean, look at that. I'm, I'm proving it. And whenever anybody resisted him, it was just like his father saying to him again, you're a bum, you'll never amount to anything. And he was defensive and angry, made angry because of it. Probably will never amount to anything because his father didn't affirm him or confirm him. Oh, let me say a word from my heart to parents. Oh, it is almost as important for you to know your children's spiritual gift and encourage that and confirm that and affirm that. I used to, I grew up with a mentality that, that, you know, that the husband was to be the, take care of all the business, write all the checks, take care of all the bills. Wives weren't, supposed, wives weren't supposed to do anything like that. I mean, that's the man's job. I started out doing that. I've been telling you what. I didn't know how much money I had in the bank, how many bills I paid. I mean, I'm terrible at that. I'm awful. But I was going to hang in there, boy, and do that. But what if your wife has the gift of administration and you won't let her do that kind of thing? You know what you're doing? You're resisting the gift of the Holy Spirit in her life. I'm talking about husbands recognizing the spiritual gift of your wife and affirming that and confirming that and vice versa. It's so important. Now, you don't always have to tell her, you know, that she looks good and smells good and cooks good. I mean, tell her her spiritual gift and help her discover it, men and vice versa. Got to hurry to the, next, to the last that's evaluation. Verse 16. Pay close attention to yourself. <laughs> Did you see that? Pay close attention to yourself, to your teaching. Persevere in these things. I mean, look at this guy that's in your skin. Pay close attention to yourself. What is your spiritual gift? Now there are two warnings, two things to guard against. We'll hurry and get those and I promise you we're done. The first thing to guard against, two warnings to heed. Number one is the feeling that I am indispensable. The feeling that I'm indispensable. Can't do without me. The feeling that, that the whole thing revolves around you. You know what the mother whale told the baby whale? When you get to the top and start spouting off, you get harpooned. <laughs> if you get to feeling like you're indispensable, what I'm trying to say, folks, listen to me carefully. We need each other. I've come to the deepest realization of my life and that is that we need each other. This church can't make it in the dreams and the visions we have for each other unless we do it together. We need each other. It's time to quit fussing with each other. It's time for that 
fellowship, to mesh, to oneness. We, if we're going to do what we've dreamed of doing and see what we've dreamed of seeing, it's going to have to be together. Second thing to guard against is the wrong motive. The wrong motive. You need to keep asking yourself, why am I doing this? Now, if you're going to find your spiritual gift and exercise that spiritual gift because the preacher appeals to do it, you're, you're doing it for a wrong motive. But if for the motive of being and functioning and, and operating as the body of Christ, that's the right motive. Keep asking yourself why you're doing it. Now, I don't have any application to make except just to say, be available, don't wait, give it a try, start today.